0: Hey Brinson, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here today.
0: All right, great. Well, you know, to my audience who who will get to know you in this episode, you know, guys, I'm bringing on Brinson for a bunch of different reasons, but really primarily is because we can do all the things in marketing that we do digitally. All marketing is digital today anyways. At least it starts that way. But At the end of the day, whether it's digitally or face to face, you still need that sales process, that sales strategy. And Brinson, why I brought him on is because he is doing that in a big way, but also with You Break iFix, which is the company that he works with, they have a franchise model. I wanted to talk to the audience today, Brinson, about that. You know, if you're a first stage, second stage entrepreneur and you're considering going out there, the importance of sales number one, but also the option or opportunity with uh, franchises.
1: Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good a good a good a good topic, a good point. And um, I think now, uh, arguably more uh, important than ever or, or I guess I, I could say, Uh, This is a very relevant uh, uh, topic due to the environment that we're in right now. Um, I think right now you have a lot of people looking uh, for opportunity, looking to um, build that business or acquire that business or start that business. And um, there's a lot of good options out there. One of the things I always recommend people do um, is franchise. And one of the reasons why I'm such a big advocate of franchising, there's so many different things that you have to do when you are starting your own business. Essentially, you know, from the ground up, if you're starting a business that's brand new and you're not acquiring a business that's existing, you're essentially the CEO, you're the, the, the head of sales, uh, you're the head of marketing, uh, you're, you're the bookkeeper, Um, you're doing everything, you're wearing all the hats. And I think uh, that's, that's challenging for a lot of people, because at the end of the day, people tend to have strengths uh, and weaknesses, right? And, um, you know, a lot of people focus on their strengths and their weaknesses, if they're trying to, you know, do bookkeeping, or they're trying to do marketing, and that's not something you're good at. Oftentimes, that falls by the wayside, Um, And that's, you know, that's a big detriment when you are a new business that's trying to create momentum. You've got to get the snowball going, you've got to get momentum built up. And when you look at some of the numbers that you can, you know, uh, see, by the way, on the IFA International Franchise Association's website, I think roughly off the top of my head, uh, it's around 50% of businesses within their first, you know, three to four years tend to fail. Uh, that are startup, you know, startup businesses. They tend to to fail, which is a pretty high uh, failure rate. Um, and by the way, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from starting their own business. I think starting your own business is awesome. But when you look at franchising, it's still your own business. And I think sometimes people, you see a Firehouse Subs, or you see a, you know, a, a you break I fix, or you see a McDonald's or a Chick fil A or Zaxby's or whatever brand you're looking at. There's thousands of them, um, and a lot of them are reputable. You know, you often think, hey, that's not, you know, that wouldn't be my business, um, but it is. And that's the beautiful thing about franchises. We provide all of that back-end supported infrastructure, uh, essentially, you know, to be, you're, you're in the kitchen, uh, and, and this might be a, a weird thought, but you're in the kitchen with Martha Stewart, right? And she's literally walking you through the steps on how to build the cake recipe, And telling you exactly what to do because it's proven and she's done it over and over and over and she knows what you're going to get if you follow the steps. And that's what franchising is all about is following a proven method, a proven model, and then having the support, the training wheels on the bike so that you limit the amount of times you fall. Um, And you're just going to you're going to have more velocity and you're going to get where you want to go faster. The other thing too, and not to, um, just to add something that popped in my head. One other thing that people, uh, I think a lot of people forget, or maybe they don't think about with franchising is franchise businesses have value on the back end. I think that smart money looks at a business and they go, hey, what does it cost to get in? Uh, What is the ROI? You know, they look at all of those things, but they also say, hey, look, I might do this for 20, 30 years. This could be a legacy franchise that I pass down to my children, uh, p- potentially. But at the end of the day, what if I don't do that? What if I decide to sell? Do I actually have a business that people are going to want to acquire? And is it marketable? And, I, and from talking to a lot of business brokers and people that you know I've worked with over the years, business brokers tend to struggle more with businesses that people have never heard of because they're just... You know, people don't know they're local. It's smaller uh, business that can only be marketed to a really small buyer pool. Where in a franchise, you have thousands of people looking at business. You you know, like our business right now, we have millions of customers that come into our doors every single year. Uh, We serve millions of customers, and we have tens of thousands of views to our website. So we get inquiries, and oftentimes, if we had a seller inside of our business that was an existing owner that was selling, we could partner uh, or I'm sorry, not partner, but we could introduce that seller to a lead that we have coming in and also help execute that sale. If that was something that, you know, the seller wanted to do. So just something to think about, but I could talk about franchising, by the way, this probably question for probably two hours.
0: <laughs> no, so it, I'm gonna I'm,
1: no, I'm
0: going to stop. I'm really it's, passionate
1: it's, about it. So No,
0: it's really great. And I think it's important to know, you know, the, the differences, you know, and obviously that kind of goes right into sales. The same thing, making people understand what is, why this model is better than that model. And I think you touched on something, which is, you know, like we're not all created the same, meaning some of us tend to be naturally better at sales or naturally better at sure. numbers. When you do a disc assessment and you learn more about yourself, your emotional intelligence, you know, all those things matter, your background, right? Some people absolutely right. hate numbers. If you hate numbers, um, are you really going to go into a, a business of of like, let's say, Jackson Hewitt, for example, you're, you're right. not gonna you're, right. Like you could still buy a right. franchise, but you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm better selling ice cream because right. it's not all the same. And I think the stat that to me sticks out in my mind when I talk to small business owners, startups, all the ones that have had success in failure, don't the stat that stays with me? It's from the SBA, and they 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 bring it up every year when they do their report. But the most recent one was. 49% of businesses that failed within those first five years, it's 92%. So it's you know, the oh it's with, okay. It, wow. Yeah. So five years, it's 92%. But if you take the 92% that failed, which is roughly probably about seven million businesses, because every year or more right. than a million are launched. So but if you take those, uh close to 50% of them, Brinson, uh did not succeed, I thought. In my mind, I guessed. I said, "Well, you know what? I bet. I bet it's financing. You know, it's fi- like that lack of money, lack of capital. Right, that right. wasn't number one. That was number two. Number one reason they failed: product market fit. There was none. What does that mean? What it means is that if you build it, they're not going to come. I mean, listen. I could build the absolute best. You break, I fix." type business you're going to bring in devices you're going to because you guys do a bunch of stuff and we're going to get into that in a little bit but if i do not execute it in the right market and i'm not saying that you know your business model isn't a fit everywhere because what you guys do is pretty ubiquitous but you might find by doing market research that there might be a market that is just not ripe enough or there isn't enough product market fit in that case when i'm in my mind, comparing starting a business from scratch, just I have my own idea, versus taking a business like you break, I fix, or a franchise model, where you have an entire army of people who have researched the product market fit, it, it's it's pretty easy to to know which one is the best, right?
1: No, that's a great point. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. And I didn't think of it. I would have thought that lack of capital would have would have probably been but yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You, you got to have product market fit and you've, you've got to understand, you know, the business, the business you're launching. Um, and, you know, I think going back to franchising, that's another, that's another, you know, I guess if you were the first franchisee in a system that only had one, one owner and you were like the first one, you would basically be the guinea pig. But the beautiful thing about franchising is usually you're, you're coming on board with a reputable company that's already had track record. They've already had success. They already know that the pro, there's already a model. You look at the item 19, which is where we talk about in franchising, typically the financial representation of how well the business or the stores do. And you can see uh, that, the, you know, that the model is, is working and it's efficient and, and all of that good stuff. But yeah, no, that's, that's um, very, very thought provoking
0: what about you know when i'm thinking about your background brinson you know your upbringing and sort of your schooling and all of that why you know why did you choose to go into a career of you know sales and consulting and obviously you're an entrepreneur too but why did that why were you attracted to that you know
1: i i was attracted to it um to be candid with you the owner uh, of the company, uh, the, the founder and CEO, guy named Justin Wetherill. Um, I became friends with Justin, uh, Orlando guy. And I know your background a little bit, Alex. He went to UCF as well. Uh, you nice. might have heard his name before. Um, and Justin, again, founded You Break, I Fix back in uh, 2008, opened up the first retail store in 2009. When I met Justin, I was actually looking to open up some UBreak Break, I Fix stores in Orlando. Um, I do, my family is very entrepreneurial and has, uh, I kind of grew up um, working in and around a lot of my, uh, my parents' businesses. And that's just kind of, you know, what I do now. I did have a, uh, a a corporate um, role prior, actually quite a few in sales prior uh, to You Break, I Fix. But when I met Justin, our founder, I wanted to actually open up some You Break, I Fixes in the Central Florida market. And he convinced me to come on board and work with him. Um, and, you know, really uh, wanted me to come on board. And I told him I would do it and, you know, just kind of see how it goes. And, you know, paid off. <laughs> I guess over seven years, over seven years later, uh, I'm still here. And um, I came on board at a time, it was, it was a lot of fun too. And I think part of what uh, you just mentioned on the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial side. I think the fun thing about it when I started, and by the way, it's still fun. The company's great, Um, but it was very entrepreneurial because when I came on board, we had 58 stores and just basically it started franchising and we had a small office and, you know, it just, the culture, it was so much fun, very, you know, Mm startup-esque kind of feel. Agile, Um, (laughs) Yeah, agile and, you know, uh, kind of light on your feet, you kind of craft your own department, get, get your work done, uh, you know, hit it hard. And we did. Um, we, we all worked really hard, put our head down, looked up a few years later, and we're like, holy cow, look what we all did together. Um, and that's one of the most exciting things, I think, about what I've done is just the fact that people, uh, that, you know, the success You Break I Fix has is not very little to do with me. It's, there's so many great people that helped get the company where it is today. I, I played a very small role. Um, and just, you know, many of the people that I work with today, and I worked with uh, in the past, or, you know, today, some, you know, they're like family. Um, and, sure. I, and I think that's, that's what we're all looking for, right, is looking for, and I think that's what what's what's kept me like, re- you know, retained my interest in you break, I fixes, I'm just passionate about it. And Um, I've actually, I did not open up any uh, stores myself, but my mother uh, was a franchisee for uh, about five years and she retired uh, about a year and a half ago um, and exited the system. Uh, But my brother is a current franchisee. He just expanded and added more territory is opening up another five uh, locations. And then my cousin is a franchisee as well. So it's a family affair. So um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that, if if that uh, helps a little bit.
0: It does. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, the you know, understanding where, when that opportunity comes to you, what makes you, you know, move in that direction. And I've certainly, you know, a lot of different entrepreneurs I've talked to, I try to figure out, especially if they've been somewhere like you you've been there for, you know, six, seven years, it's a, it's a, you know, big chapter of your life. You know, it's not oh, like yeah. you, you're there for like a year. It's one thing. But, um, you know, when you sure. have a long journey like this, I was trying to figure out what what is it that um, made you uh, go that direction. And, and like you said, it's very clear that you already had an interest in the business model itself. And then you probably saw that, hey, you know what, if I'm given that opportunity, I can go help other people um, do the same thing. And here you guys are. You said close to 700 locations, right?
1: Yeah, 700 open and then we've sold over 1,200. Um, and yeah, it's just been it's been awesome and I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think you know I, I started looking at this business because I believed in it early on. Um, I worked prior in 2000 you know 2007, 2008, 2009, um, and, you know, worked in an environment, went through the, you know, I guess you call it the Great Recession or whatever of 2009. And I always told myself, if I ever did a business, that it would be recession resistant. Now, it's funny, because now you just hear that everywhere, especially if you talk to franchise companies, and I'm, I'm not throwing rocks at other franchise companies, but you hear recession-proof, uh, pandemic-proof, and you hear Amazon-proof from all of them. And what's funny is, is very few of them actually have a concept that's pandemic-proof, Recession proof and Amazon proof. We're by the way a, a, a three checker there. Um, you know our, our gross revenue uh, actually increased in 2020 over 2019. Wow. Um, you know Amazon, you know is is you know not a threat to our business. Um, the recessions, you know, we we started the business actually back in 2008 2009 and um, started in a re- in a recession and have gone through the last few years. So, but I, I guess what I was getting at is. Building your belief is what I've always taught you know, my sales team. And that's something that's been critical for me. If you're going to have success in sales and you don't believe in the product or the company, go somewhere else. You, you, know, you need to be in an environment where you actually believe in the company or the product that you're offering. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have the success that you want to have. And I think one of the reasons we've been so successful as a team is I would, you know, I would take a bullet for uh, you know, the founding team. Um, I would take a bullet for many people, again, that I work with even today at the company, You Break, I Fix, great people, great organization. I love who I work with. And I believe now more than ever that this is a company that people should take a look at. Um, and, and that's, again, passion, belief, I think, go hand in hand. And I think success in sales, you know, there's a connection there.
0: Well, you you know, when you said COVID and recession proof, I'm like, you know, that, that really definitely has to check the box. But um, when you said Amazon proof, to me, that's the tough one for many businesses. And I think sure. if, if you guys check that box, then that's, you know, compelling enough for anyone to take a look at because I with my other company, with the agency, most businesses that come to us and say, Hey, we have a product and we want to scale. I'm, you know, we've tried Amazon. The problem is right. they eat up our profits or they copy right. us or whatever it is. Right. And it's sure. like, okay. So then you have to build your own traffic, your own site and all of that. And it, it, it's very hard to get around Amazon. If you have a, you know, a product right. today, services are a little bit different, but look, Google, you know, they've gotten into a lot of different service type businesses like insurance and and a few others so the big tech companies are here to really um dominate the market you know and obviously sure. i think the 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 exception for you guys is you benefit if apple uh continues to grow because you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of hardware for you guys to continue to fix right <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and I think you, 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 um, uh, you bring up another good point as well with, with some of the big OEMs. You, know, you referenced Apple uh, as one of them, and I think we typically think of Apple first when you think about smartphone uh, penetration in the U.S., because they're typically the leader in, in uh, handsets uh, you know, sold um, in, in the U.S., and then Samsung is kind of a close second, and you know, they go back and forth. Internationally, I think Samsung is a bit more dominant uh, yes. on Android, but we, one of the cool things that we've done, and um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, we were actually acquired in August of 2019 by a company called Asurion. Okay. Uh, Asurion is an incredible company. They're in over, I believe, 30 countries. Uh, they have an incredible uh, amount of customers. They, they're the back end. Like if you, uh, for those, for the listeners today that aren't aware of Asurian, if you've ever been into a Verizon or an AT&T store, Uh, Also, like on Amazon, going into a lot of big box retailers, and you were offered a warranty or some sort of like device insurance, if you will, on that device, or or we like to say device protection, Um, that company behind it, it's typically white labeled by the retailer. The company behind it doing all of the underwriting and backing is a company called Assurian, huge privately held company, um, the largest in our space. Uh, and they work with, they've got relationships, again, with Verizon, AT&T. And, and by the way, I could go through probably a list for the next five minutes of naming <laughs> all the retailers. I'll spare everybody from that. But, uh, They're the one are, with, the.
0: I, yeah, I believe yeah. they have like a blue logo, right? I don't know if it's blue or black, they, they, but they I, do. I do remember seeing their yeah. logo. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they do. And we've, we've added some of the color, I think color palette wise, there's a lot of purple. And like there's some new colors we've introduced but over the years. It's been like a blue logo, blue and green. Um, uh, we were, again, acquired by Asurian. Um, and you know one of the cool things that we're able to do now is we're offering in our store for the first time ever, we're now able to offer the customer a, a, uh, a product called Home Plus. And everybody listening here today can check it out. You can go on uh, Home Plus or Google Assurian Home Plus. And the whole concept there is the customer now has their entire home protected. Outside of their smartphone, because that's a separate protection product, and outside of major appliances—by the way, that's another protection product that they offer. Everything else in the home: your Roomba, your television, your Wi-Fi router, your laptops, your computers, uh, you know, your automated bassinet for the baby. By the way, I have one of those. That's why I bring that up. Anything <laughs> in anything in uh, the house that's connected uh, is actually protected uh, for a monthly fee. And by the way, that's something we sell in our stores, and there's a there's uh, a residual or a revenue uh, or income for the franchisee in selling this product. In addition to that, we have this mobile opportunity today that's an extension of the store, where we're not only fixing devices that come into the store, we're actually going uh-huh. to the customer. And I guess where I was going with this with the Apple thing, one of the things that I I, um, I highly encourage people to look at in franchising is join a company that can provide a lot of value to you on the back end, not just necessarily brand recognition, especially if you're getting into a service business or you're looking at a service business. Meaning when you become a franchisee of You Break, I Fix, we are actually Google partners. Uh, We have a relationship that's exclusive with Google. We have a similar relationship with Samsung. We are the repair provider, Samsung authorized. We have all of their tooling, their systems, their their parts. Uh, We also have an HP relationship. We have an independent repair provider relationship with Apple. So that's one of the things that's really cool is when you become a franchisee, I can't guarantee the income that you're going to make because I don't have Mm -hmm. a crystal ball, but we can guarantee that you're going to have a strong customer base because of all the partnerships that we've secured that you don't have to go out there and secure which is really cool. So that's just something to think about for all the listeners as you're looking at franchises or you're looking sure. at a business. You know, think about what does that company provide in value um, outside of the name and the
0: brand. Or added value is I mean, yeah. so, so important. What about well, if you had to come up with, you know, three or five tips for that? that would be business or sometimes it could be someone who already owns a business i know i've that over the years and if someone is right now you know making a decision to do i start a new business or do i do franchise what what are five tips that you can give them for looking uh, comparing franchises where do they go
1: yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, give you a few tips just to look at when you're looking at a franchise. Um, first and foremost, I think you've got to figure out what type of you know franchise you're looking to get into. Um, obviously, the market is flooded with food businesses, uh, everything from pizza to ice cream to hamburgers to, and, and again, um, I'm, I know you can't, everybody can't see me. I'm a very tall person. I love to eat. I'm not throwing rocks at food franchises or ice cream franchises. They're great. Um, But, you know, is that what you want to go into? You obviously have a different labor model when you're looking at that. Um, And at the end of the day, I think it depends on your goal. You know, everybody that I talk to, you know, the definition of success or the definition of, you know, making a lot of money is different for everybody. So I think, you know, at a high level, what is your goal? what are you looking to do? Are you looking to just buy a job where, you know, you're wanting to kind of replace an income that you have? Maybe you're making, you know, 50, 60, 80, $100,000 a year. And if you replace that, okay, great. You're happy. Well, there's a that'll open up the door for a lot of other, you know, concepts. And you might also might not be looking to scale, you know, in that environment, meaning, you know, maybe you wouldn't want two territories for a service brand, or maybe you wouldn't want two or three You Break, I Fix stores, because one might be enough based on your goal and what you're looking to do. So I think, you know, one thing I always recommend uh, people do is kind of have an idea of what you're looking to do and have, you know, kind of a benchmark of where you would like to be financially, you know, maybe uh, five years and then 10 years long term. uh, Because, What you can do if you know where you want to be is you can back into the numbers based on modeling, based on franchisee validation calls, based on item 19 review and item seven cost review. You can back in and figure out hey, what, you know, how many of these should I do? Uh, And also, what is the cost? That is another thing that people need to look at. Um, and, and not to spend too much time, I know I'm not like a franchise finance guy or a finance company or bank, but I've worked with hundreds of franchisees over the years and everybody has a different financial ballpark. You, have, you know, everybody has a different, uh, you know, everybody has a limited supply of capital, if you will. And that's something that you need to take into consideration. Um, one thing that I want everybody to know if there are, you know, a few of you on the call that are listening that are going hey you know maybe i don't have a ton of money like maybe maybe you don't have two three four five six hundred thousand dollars in cash or money available to you in some cases that's okay because the sba is a resource where there are sba loans by the way um, a lot of franchises are approved with the sba uh, we are an sba approved franchise there are many good ones out there uh, other uh, brands that are as well so you know w- you could as long as financially and credit and all that stuff, worthiness, you were in a good position. You could apply and get financing for our brand, which is great. Now, um, uh, injection—you know, there's usually some injection, or the franchise fee can count towards your your down payment or your your uh, cash injection to secure the loan. Um, but that's something to think about. Uh, For those of you, and I'm I'm just mentioning this on the call again, I'm not a CPA or like an expert with this, but there is something too. also, if you have a 401k, um, you know, there seems to be a lot of volatility and concern right now about the market. Obviously, I have no clue where it's going to go. It could continue to go to the moon, like Elon Musk says, (laughs) Um, and, and it might not, right? But uh, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of, there seems to be a lot of uh, concern about the future of the market. And a lot of people I'm working with right now are wanting to utilize their 401k or their retirement to fund their business and kind of take their retirement into their own hands. There's actually a way to do that where you can roll over your 401k and there are custodians that do that. And there's a way where you, you can avoid getting penalized and you can limit the amount of taxes you pay and all that. And by the way, I'm talking like legal. There's a way to do it, uh, and there's a lot of uh, custodians. And one of the companies we work with is Fram Connect, uh, or not Fram Connect, Fram Fund. Um, they're one of the largest franchise finance institutions, and they do this all the time. So again, I just want everybody to know that if you're on the call and you're thinking like, "Hey, ah, man, I'm just not there yet," or "I can't, you know, I can't invest in a franchise or I don't have enough money." You'd be surprised. You know, my advice would be to start looking now. And then I guess to, to not be too long-winded here, the other thing that I would, would look at is, you know, do you want to be in a brick and mortar retail business? Uh, do you want to be in a business that, you know, you can start from home? Um, you, you know, there's a lot of different businesses out there, but one thing to note at a really high level, this is one of the best real estate environments that I, I, I have seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, From a retail standpoint, uh, the pandemic opened up the box for negotiations and advantages on the tenant side that we just haven't seen in a long time. We've got uh, franchisees moving forward that are able to negotiate rent abatement where they're getting more rent, uh, uh, free rent, uh, tenant improvement uh, allowances. So, you know, those are huge advantages right now on the retail side. But I, I think one of the big things that I love service-based businesses. And again, I'm not throwing rocks at the food space. I love service-based businesses because uh, there's a lot of them out there that check the box of you know, recession resistance. Uh, a lot of them you, you know, might check the box of Amazon proof and also pandemic proof. I think you have to do your due diligence, but you know, that's just some of my advice. Um, I think one other bullet point to, you know, I, I guess a few other bullet points to just mention really quick at a high level Um, If you do pursue a franchise, um, I always advise people, if you're really capitalized, um, okay, I guess you could weather this, but I always advise people to not be the guinea pig, to not be franchisee number one. Um, If the model's not proven, you don't necessarily want to put your capital at risk to prove the model for somebody that might not necessarily know what they're doing yet. I advise people to look at brands that that typically have over ideally uh, 10 units or more. Um, And a lot of investors out there will look at 50 units to 100 units or more. Uh, That's totally up to you, but you want a track record. Um, You know, that's important. Um, I also think it's important to do franchisee validation calls. Talk to franchisees that are in the system are there more franchisees that are getting into the system that are that are leaving and, and running for the hills? Um, you know, that's a question, you know, obviously that you you want to ask. And honestly, I think the one thing, the reason why my family is in this business and I'm, I'm confident in that. And by the way, my family still talks to me. Uh, I still do Thanksgiving with them <laughs> and Christmas. It's not like they're like, you know, hey, you sold us a bag of rocks and you're dead to me. Uh, we still have a good relationship. But one of the things that I I, um, I was very confident in, and you should be as well, does this franchisor are they focused on what they can get from the franchisees, or are they more focused on what what can they give to the franchisees? We are obsessed with what we can give, and everything comes down to unit level economics. That's what it comes down to, uh, providing a good environment for the franchisees. So be confident in that before you. Uh, you sign on the dotted line that would be just some of my advice I guess at a high level Um, a few points just to think about